We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2 and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire, Bet Online, and the FFPC. We are another week into the off season, uh, wrapping up June, heading into July, and I am joined by my co-host Dan Sanyo. How's it going, right, Dan? Hey, I'm good. Uh, a little bit of a streak here. Finally, made it to consecutive shows for the first time, and I don't know how long. But uh, yeah, we, we actually have something to talk about. Some actual news occurred. 
but that's like the second most exciting thing that's going on for this show. I'll, I'll let you bring in the most exciting thing that's happening for this show. The most exciting thing that's happening on this show is we are joined by our good friend, George Kritikos. How's it going tonight, George? It's going great. And uh, first off, I'm really excited to hear about Dan streaking. That's, that's <laughs> nice. uh, best to do it in the summer, if any time. Uh, no, glad to, glad to be back. I think this is at least the third or fourth appearance on the show. So, you know. Oh, for, for sure. George, I, I think that you are, you've, you're entering the echelon of just under Russell and Ryan. There's a list <laughs> of like a few people who have been on four or five times and you're now a part of that list. You're, you're like, you're like Dak in the QB rating system where you're <laughs> kind of in that second tier all by yourself. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like Saturday Night Live where like there's the five timers club and I get like the jacket and everything. <laughs> no jacket for us. Uh, but the man who will be wearing a jacket in about 10 or so years after he gets in the Hall of Fame is uh, with a new team. Right, Dan? Wow. That's, that's, <laughs> big, that's big praise for somebody that probably won't make the Hall of Fame. But uh, yeah, so the Hall of Fame bit is going to lead us right into our FFPC stat attack of the week, which is going to be about our very first topic. That is Mr. Cameron Newton. Cam ranks 152nd all-time in rushing yards with 4,806 and is one of only four QBs ever with 4,000-plus career rushing yards just behind Randall Cunningham. And because it is our stat attack of the week, I have to remind you that FFPC is the home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a whole bunch of those tools that you can use to optimize at Rotoviz that are specifically designed for FFPC domination. All righty, so let's get into our Cam Newton talk. Cam Newton signs a one-year, $7.5 million incentive-laden deal with the New England Patriots. Uh, some are saying to compete with Jared Stidham. Those people are incorrect. Uh, the only way Cameron Newton is not starting week one is if there isn't a week one. Uh, so let's hope that's not the case. But we have Cam Newton going to the Patriots. And, you know, he was was one of the bigger factors in terms of a large sway in value this offseason. You know, he, at the beginning of the offseason, was a guy like, okay, this guy could find a new home and end up being, you know, top 10 to 15 dynasty quarterback. And then he went five months of being unsigned. And it's like, oh, is this guy even worth a roster spot? And now he signs with the Patriots. And it's like, oh, like. How high can we put Cam Newton? So, uh, what are what are your thoughts? Uh, we'll start with Dan on uh, basically what are your initial thoughts on Cam's dynasty value? Well, obviously, it's going to. Well, I guess I shouldn't say obviously. It depends on which camp you've ever been on or been in with Cam Newton. There's a lot of naysayers, and then you have the believers. The believers are normally the guys that believe in, or gals, people that believe in his rushing prowess, the fact that he is probably going to be able to do at least 500 yards annually. Uh, however, that's broken down. I would say that's his floor because you can't really take that out of Cam's game. You can't keep him in the pocket and contain him. He's going to get 500 yards. That's just pretty much the way it's going to go. And he's not a great passer. I, I think we've seen that. His one like strong passing year was 2015. 
And in 2016, we all basically knew that that was going to be his outlier year. Seemed to be pretty obvious. We haven't seen him really return to form. But we also really haven't seen him be healthy. So after all of this time and kind of COVID allowing things to settle, I guess, it sounds like this has been in progress for a while. And the only reason that New England didn't sign him sooner was because of COVID, the inability to pass a physical or do those things that weren't necessarily cam related, but COVID related instead. So I think his value obviously is going to skyrocket up because, I mean, it was in the bottom of the barrel. It can only go up from where it was. I, I just, I have a hard time getting him into that like QB1 conversation, even knowing that he's for sure going to have a solid rushing line. And yes, Jarrett Stidham is not in his way for that starting role. He will be starter week one. So are you saying, I have to ask a question. So are you saying when you say QB1 conversation, you're talking about his production for this year, or are you thinking his quarterback dynasty ranking? His dynasty value. I think he's got a chance in scoring. I just don't think we can put him in there valuation-wise. Yeah. I, I, I think people are going to be a bit hesitant to put him up there in dynasty value initially. I think we basically have to see a QB one season from him in a production standpoint for someone to get come back and say, okay, Cam's a QB one again, because they're going to see the fall in value he had from, you know, this tumultuous off season that they're going to be afraid of that happening again next year. He's only on a one year deal. So uh, the future isn't guaranteed for Cam, uh, but he has, like I said, a wide range of outcomes that if he's the, uh, he, he has a great year in 2020 with new England he might be the starter in New England for the next four years. Yeah, that's that's the thing I, I kind of am interested to see is, you know, are they going to be willing to commit to him beyond this season or if he's just really a stopgap? And I think that's, to, to Dan's point, like why I would be hesitant to put him in the top 12 for Dynasty, I think. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to, you know, speak out of turn. But for me, like, it's kind of around, like, as I've looked at my rankings, like, once it gets to like QB 17, 18, that's where I feel like is about right for him, you know, somewhere in that range. I still haven't kind of landed on the spot yet. I'm still kind of absorbing a bit, but I, I feel like somewhere in that range is, is where I'm kind of comfortable putting him relative to some of the other quarterbacks. To play devil's advocate, uh, I think looking at the quarterback landscape, I think you can probably draw a line at like, six where it's like yes these are your top six quarterbacks and then you get into a just kind of a watery mess along with some proven veterans but a lot of unknowns when we're talking about Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield Josh Allen a couple of rookies mixed in there you get the vets like Matt Ryan Aaron Rodgers Matthew Stafford Daniel Jones Jared Goff I mean in my eyes he fits with that group pretty perfectly assuming health yeah see and that's where i say like without a, a multi-year contract in hand that's the part that i'm a little hesitant to go too high on them because we just don't know is let's say the patriots you know have a bad year they go with a rookie quarterback or they find someone free agency whatever that looks like for the offseason that doesn't involve cam do we think there's a third team not the panthers not the patriots a third team that's going to give him that deal uh, unless, you know, uh, unless he can prove, you know, full health, good production, yeah. everything else. I mean, that was the biggest problem this off season is that, you know, the, the game of quarterback musical chairs, we ran out of chairs other than the Patriots and it's like, okay, here's the last chair. And we kind of were like, okay, 
Cam's going to sign with the Patriots. It's just like how and when, and it eventually happened. But it, we're going to be playing that same game, musical chairs, next offseason, and we'll have another influx of rookie quarterbacks, which I, I, we've talked about in the last several shows that the next two classes of quarterbacks, there is a lot of talent at the quarterback position. And so quarterbacks that are on the fringe of being starters could lose their job quicker than they usually would. Yeah, and I mean, we saw Jameis Winston had to sign a backup deal. We saw Andy Dalton had to sign a backup deal. I mean, who's to say that that's not what Cam gets relegated to next season? Whereas a lot of the guys you named, Dan, were, were guys that have multi-year commitments and, and are most likely locked in as starters. And that's that's where I say, like, it's not until kind of that QB 16 to 18 range where I feel comfortable putting him in based on, like, what we know now. Yeah, because then at that point, you're kind of dipping your feet in the waters of, like, the Sam Darnolds, the Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo's, Jared Goff, yeah, yeah, Jared Goff, if he's sliding down the ranks, which he's kind of in that zone for me, I guess. And so, yeah, I, I guess, honestly, the contract is kind of everything at this point. So if if you're willing to take that that big swing and hope that he's able to get some sort of multi-year deal at some point, now, even though you are going to be paying more of a premium, now is still going to be the time to get him because of a lot of skeptical owners that are probably just going to look to cash out in a lot of two QB leagues. You know, if they're thinking kind of the way we're thinking in, hey, it's only a one year deal. He could be done after 2020. What if there's not a season and now he doesn't have a contract with anybody again and the QB pool gets deeper, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we do talk about a lot how players that once you see something, the price is going to change drastically one way or the other. By week five, Cam Newton could be worth two firsts, or he could be worth a third-round rookie pick. Like, his his range of outcomes early in the season, or certainly, you know, throughout the whole season, but, you know, as the, the dynasty uh, market fluctuates, uh, that is certainly going to be the case with Cam Newton. Uh, now, let's talk about the weapons around him. Uh, I am a Nikhil Harry truther, Nikhil Harry stand, so I'm <laughs> going to just try and spin this any way I possibly can. Uh, the spin zone I've seen on him is that Nikhil Harry, his one weakness or one of his main weaknesses is the ability to separate. Well, Cam Newton has some experience with wide receivers who can't separate Devin Funches, Kelvin Benjamin, among others. So, uh, if, if those guys can have success with Cam, I think Nikhil Harry can too. I think this is the first time Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin have been used as a positive (laughs) (laughs) comparison for anyone. But I, no, I totally hear what you're saying. It, it, you know, and, and I will say for Cam, like he's not afraid to make that throw. You know, there's some quarterbacks who are always gonna, you know, go with the safest option. You know, gonna check down or whatever the Teddy Bridgewaters of the world. Cam's not that guy, so I feel like at least he's gonna give Harry the chance. My concern is that it's just there's there's not a ton of depth there. You know, when you get past Edelman, you get past Harry. And and let's say James White, right, as a receiving option. It's pretty thin. I mean, a- I'm not I'm not very excited after that. And even even the top three aren't that exciting. So it's it's kind of terrifying to think like what happens if one of those three go down. Yeah, I mean, he's I guess you can call it notorious for making chicken salad out of chicken crap, but uh, he I mean he's never really had that big time guy. He had Steve Smith for what one season, maybe two. I don't know exactly that timeline or how that breaks down, but even then, I mean, yeah, Greg Olson, but I mean, I would say Nikhil Harry's probably about as useful as Greg Olson. Now that's different because one plays tight end and one plays receiver. Julian Edelman is, I mean, still doing just fine at however old he is. 
I think James White, which you mentioned, is I think he's going to play a bigger role in in this. Uh, I will say what it does make me less excited for was all of the Damian Harris shares I started to acquire uh, because now there goes all your red zone production. And if Sony Michelle's healthy or whatever else they have, because we all know how much they love to screw everybody over with their running back usage. It's yeah, that it's going to be painful owning those running backs aside from James White, because I still think he's going to do well because he kind of fits the mold of, uh, well, obviously the offense because of the way they've worked over the last however many years. But um, uh, another thing, what Cam likes to do, yes, he likes to force it down the field into horrible windows and occasionally turn the ball over, never at a, a, an insane rate. But that 3% rate is, I, I guess, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be weird because of the lack of those type of weapons, aside from probably Nikhil Harry, who's a 50-50 guy. The way... Cam looks in a in a more innovative offense rather than what Ron Rivera was trying to do. Yeah, and I will say you, you touched on Harris, and I, I I do think that early in the season, Patriots are going to realize Sonny Michelle is not a good NFL running back, and that they're going to end up turning to Damian Harris for their running down work. And so I think it's certainly a positive for him adding Cam instead of Stidham. I think Cam's more conducive to a running game than than Stidham is. So I. Oh, we talk about it more in a little bit, I guess. But I, I think the Harris is still a nice buy. I don't think his price increases based on the Cam signing. So he's still an, a nice buy low target. Yeah, I think one of Burkhead or Harris is going to benefit from this, you know, because they're both pretty versatile players who can run the ball, who can, you know, move out to the slot if needed. I mean, Harris has, has shown really good pass uh, catching chops. So, I mean, it's going to be one of those guys. I think Sonny Michelle's the big loser here of everyone just because there's no red zone work and he's already pretty one dimensional. And I think with, with Cam Newton, you really don't want to have one dimensional players on the field. That's, that's just kind of, you know, invite stack in the box and that removes a big weapon for him, which is, you know, when he can be more creative. Um, so, I mean, and, and, and Sonny Michelle has shown to be a pretty big, you know, play tipper as far as knowing what they're going to do when he's on the field. So, I mean, I, but I do think the scheme's a huge benefit for him. I mean, he's going to have a great play caller. Their offensive line has historically been pretty good, you know, both in terms of talent, but, but more so in terms of the scheme. So that should help too. But, you know, Cam Newton also holds the ball a lot longer than Tom Brady does. So that's, that's a little terrifying. I'd love to see them really try to get him to release things a lot quicker and maybe having Edelman and white, those guys who can get, you know, open pretty quickly. Maybe that'll help with some of that, that timing and, and, and some of those releases and things. So, yeah, I mean, you know, as far as like what he does this year, I mean, I, I see him probably finishing as like a mid QB too. I don't think that's like crazy. Like if he finishes like top 16, 17, I think that seems reasonable with a, with a decent shot at being a top 12 guy, because I think it's just such a mess. Like you said, Dan, like both dynasty and redraft, like, after six, that same top six, it's a big mess after that. And you have no idea who's going to be seven through 20. And, and if that happens, either Edelman or Harry are a top 15 wide receiver. So, yeah, someone's going to, yeah, someone's going to get the production out of that. All right. Now let's transition into some sophomore talk. We're going to be talking sophomore stars or sophomore slumps. But first, we of course have to hear from our friends at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and all lines 
for UFC, NASCAR, boxing, soccer, you name it, they've got it. And if you need even more than that, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Well, Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets for you to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online wagering experts. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right, go to rotoviz.com. Click subscribe and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. And we'll start off our sophomore stars and sophomore slumps with one of the biggest talks of the offseason, and that's one Kyler Murray. Now, Kyler Murray has drawn two major comparisons this this offseason. It's been the sophomore star, Lamar Jackson, and the sophomore slump, Baker Mayfield. Basically, everyone's been saying one of those two things is going to happen with Kyler Murray. Let's see how it goes. Uh, Obviously, with the acquisition of DeAndre Hopkins, he's getting getting hyped up as the QB3 in Dynasty or even higher by some people, Uh, as well as, you know, he had a solid – first NFL season. I think he won rookie of the year, even though he wasn't supposed to. Um, But anyways, Kyler Murray, George, what are your thoughts? Are you seeing sophomore stars or sophomore slumpage coming? I think he's going to be a sophomore star. I think he outdoes, I think he was what the QB eight, something like that finish last year in terms of total fantasy points and roughly around there for, for fantasy points per game. I think he can crack the top five. I, I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. Like you said, the, the Hopkins edition was huge. They added a day two offensive tackle. Um, they get Kenyon Drake back for a full season, which I think is going to help. And then if if Kirk and Fitzgerald can remain relatively healthy, I mean, I think he's he's got the potential to make a pretty good jump um, and kind of be in that top five, top six range, which, you know, maybe an extra point per game, something like that doesn't sound like a lot, but that makes a huge difference. So, yeah, I think I think he's a star. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, and I talked. We t- we all talked a little bit about the rushing floor with Cam Newton, and Kyler's kind of got that same thing built in. I think you can expect, I mean, 600 yards. Is that really all that far fetched? He had 544 last year on not that many rushes, so uh, I think he'll maybe get a little more innovative as he gets more comfortable in the offense. Like you mentioned, adding DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, who doesn't want the best wide receiver in the NFL? Uh, you know, as far as that goes, he's as QB proof as they get. And that's just going to make Kyler Murray even more comfortable. Obviously having Hall of Famer Larry Fitzgerald in there in that wide receiver room is still a big plus. And then having Christian Kirk as your wide receiver three, you know, that's not the worst thing in the world. Kenyon Drake. And I mean, the offense is going to be really fun to watch. I think Kyler takes a good step forward. I think we see him progress not necessarily significantly because he wasn't really bad as a passer last year. I just think we see him clean some things up and, and really take that nice second step that we, we hope to see in the second year quarterback. So 
I really think he he could push, you know, Lamar and and Patrick Mahomes for that QB one race, honestly, because if he does get a little more innovative and a little more comfortable with the added weapons and the ability to just kind of make more throws, I think we see him push for that 4,000 yard through the air. And to be completely honest, 4,000 and 1,000 isn't outside the realm of possibilities. So uh, we just need the the touchdown output and, and we're there. Yeah, my one big worry is really the only real worry I cut for Kyler Murray at this point. It's the offensive line. Have they done enough there to bolster it, to make it a competent offensive line? You don't even need a good one at this point with Kyler Murray and his skills and, and that receiving core. You just need a competent one. And that question is going to be answered quickly as far as whether you know they're going to be able to protect him this year, or whether it's going to take another year of offseason acquisitions to protect Kyler Murray. Uh, so that would be my one worry uh in regards to this i i i i i pump the brakes a little bit i i think he's a top you know eight to ten running back i mean talk to eight top eight ten quarterback this year but i'm not quite on the draft him qb3 and redraft quite yet yeah i mean you're definitely drafting at ceiling at qb3 i think you you definitely are you know you're not leaving much room and but i do think you know the offensive line for someone like murray is less of a concern because he does pretty well under pressure we've seen what like russell wilson's done for so many years with like god-awful offensive lines (laughs) and you know or, or or ben roethlisberger when he had kind of the 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 poor offensive line about three or four years ago you know before they really started rebuilding it um you know that 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 kyler's that same type of quarterback so i'm I'm less concerned about it that way but you know obviously he's a smaller frame quarterback and you know he does like to run more so than the other two um you know that i mentioned so so you know the the absorption of hits could be concerning but i think he's a pretty savvy quarterback so i think he'll be okay um so i'd say it's a minor concern but i hear what you're saying nathan All right, let's move on to the running back position, and it is the biggest bust of the 2019 class, the running back position. David Montgomery of the Chicago Bears. Uh, Obviously, that Bears offense was not good in 2019, and we're not sure if it's going to be any good with Nick Foles in 2020. (laughs) But they do have one more year of Allen Robinson, and uh, David Montgomery was a highly touted-ish running back entering the the NFL. Uh, Will David Montgomery bounce back in 2020, George? No. Uh, <laughs> when you're when your best talent from your rookie season is playing all 16 games, there's not really a lot to be excited about. I mean, you know, he he averaged less than 11 points per game last year. I mean, you know, Tariq Cohen averaged a half a point less than he did per game in PPR leagues. I mean, there's just not a ton of upside for for Montgomery like yeah he might get like 11 or 1200 yards but it's going to be mostly on the ground so he's not going to have much of a reception upside uh and the Bears offense just isn't going to generate a ton of touchdowns if we're being completely honest here so I mean I think you know he finished RB 24 in terms of total fantasy points I don't think he gets that I mean I think he's going to be lucky to be an RB 3 this year honestly Whew, the takes are flying from George. Man, I can't believe you would talk about his ability on someone that has the feet of Saquon Barkley, the <laughs> vision of Le'Veon Bell, the strength of Ezekiel Elliott, and the, does that say athleticism of Sony Michelle? Oh, sorry, I was just reading the graphic from whenever that came out. <laughs> uh, yeah, David Montgomery is someone he, I, I want to like. I feel like he should be able to perform there. 
let's all hope Trubisky isn't the starting quarterback at any point in time. But is Nick Foles actually better? Is this going to make things more enjoyable? Um, obviously, Tariq Cohen is is the more enticing guy there because of his ability as a pass catcher, explosiveness. Any play could go, you know, for six at, at any point in time. But I feel like it's it's there for David Montgomery. He's just got nothing to work with. That offense is crap. Allen Robinson's really the only thing there that can somehow sustain even with Blake Bortles 2.0. So, I mean, if we can get this offense to resemble something that the NFL does, maybe. I don't know if it's going to be a star-type bounce back, but is it really out of the realm for him to rush for 1,000 yards and, you know, maybe like eight touchdowns? He's probably going to be inefficient, but we're chasing touches at this point, right? It's, yeah, there's not a whole ton of upside, but... For his price, I might be taking that gamble. But is, has his price dropped that much that you can't? Yes, like, <laughs> yes it's dropped. <laughs> but I, I think that basically, if you're in, uh, and if you're investing in David Montgomery, you should be investing in a, in a one-year rental. Like he's a ten-year veteran because he's not guaranteed 2021. He's guaranteed this year in the touches, but he's not guaranteed anything after that. Um, certainly if he plays well, then the ceiling goes up there. That's not there in that, that 10 year vet, but I'd be, I'd be trading Montgomery as a rental. I'm not actively trying to buy any shares, uh, because I, I mean, I, I'd give a second for him, but I don't really see anyone selling for just a second at this stage. I'm trying to think if I would give a random second for him, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little on the fence. <laughs> Didn't you hear me reading off that graphic, George? How could you not want that football player? Speaking of hyperbolic takes, let's go to the wide receiver position. The man who's the next Antonio Brown and Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens, Deontay (laughs) Johnson uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He had a very efficient uh, rookie season with the Pittsburgh Steelers, thus making everyone take their calculators out and uh, extrapolate every number and say, okay, this guy's now going to get 112 targets for 1,700 yards and let's call it 14 touchdowns. So, Sophomore star, or sophomore slump, Deontay Johnson, George. Yeah, I mean, I think he will. I think he will do better than he did last year. I, I, I hesitate to call him a star because, like, is is saying he goes from like a wide receiver four to a wide receiver three, like star making. I don't know if I'd go that far, um, but I, but I, I do think he could be in the top thirty six this year. I think that you know, there's there's an opportunity for him beyond this year too if Juju doesn't get resigned. So, I mean, I, I would say I'd, I'd lean more towards the star side than the slump side. But my, my point why I, I'm going to say slump is that I think if he finishes wide receiver 29, that's a disappointment for Dynasty owners. You're be like, what went wrong? Like, you know, at, at this point, they're expecting a top 24 wide receiver season. And I think that outside of a juju injury and the Steelers, you know, offense returning to what it was two, three years ago, outside of those two things happening, I don't see a top 24 season out of Deontay Johnson. I think, I think that it could be in 2021. I just don't think it's this year. So, so, you know, that's why, that's why I don't want to necessarily call him a slump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's one of the guys that you have to kind of take that question based on his value rather than 2019. Because when I mean, we've heard about it all off season and I, I'm a Deontay Johnson guy, he was one of my sleepers in the draft coming out of Toledo. I thought he 
was NFL ready. He kind of showed some things last year that made us believe that he could take that step. Uh, and he looked good, and he's got decent draft capital behind him too. He's taken in the third round, for God's sake. So I think I think he's going to be good. I don't see a star if we want to interpret that way. I think I think he definitely can be a, a wide receiver three as far as fantasy scoring goes, or better. But I don't think we're ever going to really see like a mid wide receiver two season out of him, unless Nathan, like you mentioned it. This offense returns to form with Antonio Brown and Deontay Johnson kind of becomes that new big piece. If that happens, well, then all of this is warranted and now we're having a dumb conversation. (laughs) But I don't see that massive of a leap occurring. That's a big, big leap. Yep. All right. Let's go to the tight end position. We have TJ Hawkinson had some injuries in year one, of course, as well as this, your uh, typical uh, development issues with the tight end position. Uh, what do you see from year two with TJ Hawkinson and George? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there will definitely be progression. I think he'll probably be like a mid to high end tight end two. Like I think of like some of those Austin Hooper years before last year, like it's, it's going to be something like that. I think, you know, maybe 50 so catches, 600 yards, like five or six touchdowns, which, you know, gets him into the top 15. I don't think he's, it's going to take a little bit more luck for him to get into the top 12, whether that's injuries uh, to his own team or to, to other tight ends. So, you know, I'm kind of in the middle on this one. I, but, you know, just because I know people are really drafting him highly, you know, he's still a top 10 tight end in, in most leagues and um, myself included. I, I really like him. But but to your point, like the, the positional, you know, development with tight ends, it's just I, I don't think he's going to just all of a sudden just blow up the league. I, I will say he is 100% the better buy between him and, and Fant just because Fant Fant's being valued like he had a great rookie season, which he had a good one, but you know, he's being valued as basically like a top five, top six tight end. Whereas Hawkinson has some of that injury slash hasn't broken out quite yet discount. And I'd argue, you know, his offensive situations better. Mm -hmm. All right. No one put my head on the pike for this or hate me. I'm getting some real gross Tyler Eifert vibes. Uh, the way he you're played, talking about a 13 touchdown season, Tyler Eifert. <laughs> yeah, well, well, maybe in his fourth season when he plays more than six games, uh, he needs to stop hurtling people, playing with just reckless abandon. Yes, he's big and nasty, and that's how he is. But good lord, my guy, please for all of us, just play it. 80%, 85%, you don't need to go 100% and hurdle guys and break your back on one of these moves. He goes uh, 110%. <laughs> that's the issue. <laughs> Stay under control. Um, yeah, I, I want to believe in, in TJ Hawkinson. I think he's extremely talented, extremely athletic, can do everything we want them to do. But somewhere along the line last season, I think it was after the first injury, I just got some real, real bad Tyler Eifert vibes. But at, I mean, at the end of the day, every tight end gets hurt, and TJ Hawkinson just being in... priced where he's being priced. <laughs> Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, even though he kind of got hurt a little bit. Zach Ertz. I mean, those kinds of guys. Mark Andrews. I mean, yeah. I don't like it. 
<laughs> All right. That'll wrap up sophomore stars or slumps, but we're not done talking about sophomores. We are going to continue the sophomore talk with sophomore. Oh, no. Sophomore or the Devi. Doesn't make any sense, but there we go. All right. That's a, that's a big yikes for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for another edition of sophomore or the Devi. Probably the first time we've done it, so it's not another edition, but that's okay. We'll start off sophomore or the Devi with we're pitting one sophomore versus one Devi. First, uh, Superflex because it's quarterback. Daniel Jones or Trey Lance, Daniel Jones, New York Giants, Trey Lance, North Dakota State extraordinaire, George. This is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say Daniel Jones because I feel confident that the Giants are going to hang on to him for a few years. He had a pretty good first season. And I like Trey Lance as a talent. I'm just not 100% sold that NFL teams are going to feel the same way that maybe a lot of Devi players and Devi owners feel. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on board with that. I'm kind of more on board with, you know, points in the hand uh, are worth a little more to me. And it's not like we're talking about Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields here. Uh, Trey Lance isn't really in that conversation for me, at least not yet. I know he's done some things, but uh, for me, it's Daniel Jones. I'm not a huge Daniel Jones guy, but I'll always take those points over a, a non-super elite quarterback prospect yeah this one's tougher for me because i don't really see daniel jones as a long-term answer at the quarterback position but i will say that you know we always talk about an nfl season versus a college season the ceiling of an nfl season if daniel jones is a top five qb guess what he's a top six dynasty quarterback next offseason if trey lance has the best season of his life he's still the qb3 in in rookie op- i mean rookie drafts so you know basically just looking at who has the higher possible ceiling. And then we, we talked about this last year that Daniel Jones is coming to a team that has some weapons. We have Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. If any of them can stay at golden Tate, if any of them can stay healthy, there can be some points to be had along with Saquon Barkley, of course. So I'll, I'll take Jones here, but it is a bit hesitantly because I'm not sure he's the long-term starter. Thank you for starting with Sterling Shepard in your. Uh, yes, of course. Drop. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Next one. Miles Sanders or Travis Etienne? Why don't you start, Dan? Interesting. Everyone would probably instantly say Miles Sanders. I don't believe him in him as a between-the-tackles guy. I think if they continue to scheme him in space, get him the ball through the air, 15-ish touches per game, that man's going to be scary. Trying to pound him 20 times between tackles and then get him six to eight targets through the air, not going to be where I want to see him. However, uh, as much as I like, like Travis Etienne, it's again, the points now, and I'm a big PPR guy. And I believe Miles Sanders is very high end in that regard. I worry Philly's going to overuse him between the tackles, but I still think that a top eight, 10 RB now isn't going to be where Etienne gets to when he's drafted. I still think he's going to be just outside that number. Again, we're seeing this depth push some of these guys back a little further like it does with quarterback and, and you know the other positions as well. Running backs starting to make a little bit of a comeback from a talent perspective. So I think I've got to take Miles Sanders here. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a lot of good points. Um, you know, the thing with 
ETN and, and something that maybe we couldn't say a few years ago is, is guys like him who are going to get drafted, let's say, you know, late round one to round two, that's probably where he's going to end up somewhere in that range. They're more likely to be starters now than maybe what we used to see, uh, you know, just because teams are just less willing to give that second contract to running backs. And we have a ton of running backs about to hit free agency next off season. So I feel like there's going to be those spaces available for an ETN to, to get a starting spot pretty soon, whether that's, you know, Seattle, not re-signing Chris Carson, maybe it's Arizona, not re-signing Kenyon Drake. It's, you know, Cincinnati letting Joe Mixon go or what, you know, wherever that might be, you know, I think he's going to land in a spot that said to Dan's point, like, Miles Sanders is, you know, RB8 range, you know, somewhere in there. How many rookies, runners that aren't drafted in like the top 10 of an NFL draft, you know, fall that high or higher, you know, in terms of their value and everything. So I'll, I'll also go Miles Sanders, but I do think this is really close because I think ETN will probably be in that RB10 to 14 range, probably just like the next tier down from where Sanders is, barring you know, maybe Clyde Edwards Hilaire breaks his leg and then ETN goes to the Chiefs or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Maybe maybe uh, that that happens. I will say this. If Travis ETN was on an NFL team today, I think this would be Travis ETN and I don't I'm not sure it would be close. I agree. <laughs> so I think that that is the argument for why you take ETN. So I'm going to do it. I I, I I don't feel great about it, but I do think that ETN's a better running back. I do think that he has the, you know, more talent as a runner. And so that's going with ETN. I, I don't don't feel great about it, but uh, I'm taking, taking the Debbie here. Golf clap. There we go. All right. Let's wrap up this episode with a wide receiver battle. We have the sophomore, Nikhil Harry. Or the Devi Rashad Bateman. Start with George. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably break Nathan's heart here. I think it's Bateman. I don't think it's particularly close. <laughs> 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 I mean, a, a couple of things. One, you know, the injury to Justin Ross is gonna only help his NFL draft stock because that's just one less receiver to compete with in the first round. I think he's probably gonna be a top half of the first round wide receiver. And, and, you know, just look at the state of, of the Patriots. Unfortunately, like, you know, they have a one-year stopgap at quarterback for the time being. We don't know what that looks like beyond that. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of offensive pieces that are about to age out. So we have no idea what that offense looks like a year from now. Is, is Edelman going to retire? You know, James White's in his late 20s. You know, Sonny Michelle hasn't been very good. Burkhead's aging a little bit too. I think Mohamed Sanu is still their third receiver, and he's on the wrong side of 30 as well. So, you know, with Bateman, you know that you're going to get another, you know, high draft capital guy. You're going to get someone who I think is is extremely talented. I'd argue he could be the second best wide receiver in this draft, depending, you know, with with how the season shakes out, assuming there is one. But he has a lot of great skills. He's he's super polished. I mean, he really outshone Tyler Johnson last year. I mean, he really looked like the alpha in terms of talent and, and production, everything else you want to talk about. Um, so yeah, it's, it's Bateman for me pretty easily. Yeah. I, I'm right there with you. Uh, he would be my wide receiver too, obviously just behind Jamar chase uh, and just ahead of Rondell Moore. And you mentioned, you know, he, he looked like the true alpha. He, he, 
profiles as a wide receiver one in an NFL offense. Tyler Johnson profiles as an, a wide receiver two in an NFL offense. They work so well together, A, because they're both extremely talented, but they both were playing their own roles. Rashad Bateman is going to be an alpha, and Nikhil Harry could. I, well, I mean, Nikhil Harry was good in college. We can't really argue that. Kind of got... Uh, a rough draw with going to the Patriots who notoriously are crap at wide receivers. <laughs> you know, they get the gritty guys who just randomly show up at their doorstep and they turn into all pros. So I, I think Nikhil Harry still has a real shot at being good, but I think Bateman has a real shot at being great. Wrong, 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 <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're both wrong. Um, Here's why. Uh, Nikhil Harry is already a first-round pick. He has Cam Newton at quarterback. He has a 89th percentile college dominator rating. He has a 95th percentile breakout age at 18.7. Nikhil Harry is who Rashad Bateman wakes up and wishes he he could be. So uh, I I don't see how you could take Bateman here uh, unless you just think Harry is a complete bust. I think Harry's the better college player, and he's playing in the NFL right now. Look, you know, when you have the opportunity to basically draft Kelvin Benjamin, you go and you do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you one, Nathan. Nikhil Harry, or new Minnesota wide receiver two Golden Gophers, that is, Chris (laughs) Ottman-Bell. I think I take Ottman-Bell there. (laughs) You're ridiculous. I mean, no, no, no. A serious question, though. If, If... you're a rebuilding team right now. Would you trade your 2021 first to get Nikhil Harry? No. That's basically what you're saying, right? Yeah. I mean, I know we're tying it to a player versus a pick, and I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but that, I mean, that's more so about if I'm a rebuilding team, I'm really never trading my first. And also, you don't need to treat treat trade a rebuilding first for Nikhil Harry right now. No, no, I'm just you not, need to. Yeah, no, I'm just Would asking. You? Just asking. Yeah. Okay. Like it, let me put it this way. Do you feel like that would be a fair value trade, like just in a vacuum? No, no. Okay. But I will, I will say, I will say that, and I guess this is just what we just bid basically. But let's say Bateman, Bateman was part of this class, the 2020 class, and Harry was part of the 2020 class, but we knew Harry's 2019 NFL season. I would take Harry over. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Anyways. Wrong. All right. That'll wrap us up uh, for this week. Uh, I do want to say I've I've been forgetting to mention, and since nobody's actually watching it, um, I have a new YouTube series. It's called uh, The Commissioner Chronicles. If you're a Dynasty League commissioner, uh, check it out on the DLF YouTube page. Uh, Commissioner Chronicles, I just go over uh, different league settings and basically how to be a commissioner. So if you want to be as great as uh, me as being a commissioner, Dan, you should uh, try it out sometime. You know, Uh, I watched. uh, There's a lot less nudity than I was hoping for. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, George, anything to plug before you head out? Uh, Just find my work at 4 for 4, Twitter at Rotohack, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing, nothing to ex- I don't have any adult themed uh, YouTube channels <laughs> or uh, you know chronicling anything. No, nothing like that. Any last words, Dan? <laughs> Stay safe. Wear your masks. Stay inside, Kadosh. Wash your hands.
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.